You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa and Boromo. This is an episode of The Wild Yak, where Boromo and I are going to talk about the first episodes of The King's Affection and why we are basically dead until next week. Don't forget to go and check out our extras on Patreon. There are mini-sodes, there are live streams, there are off-topic rambles about God knows what. And you can find that at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. And thank you as always, dear listeners and patrons, for riding this yak with us. We're taking it out more than we thought we would. Shall we go? Get on Gogoman, run! <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Saya. I'm Boroba, and welcome to our sad, sad yak. Oh my god, I'm so <laughs> sad. I'm so sad. I, I'm sorry, this show was missold to us. Or I yeah. don't know if I should blame the show promo or my drama list, but you said the prince was gonna die of an illness. And unless that illness is a hypothermia of the soul in Besubin and <laughs> the granddad... <laughs> <laughs> or unless that is what we're now calling an arrow in the heart. That oh was not God. an illness. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, but I didn't know that they were going to meet and I was going to adore oh. them and ship them for a future life of siblingly. Siblingness. Like I knew it was coming and I still couldn't deal with it. I'm so upset. I'm, like, I'm still I, I, not over I that. I agree. But the worst thing is that they make you really like Ihvi, the original Ihvi, that young boy is so sweet and he's kind and he's clever. And you root for him to like, because he's going through his own trauma. Like his teacher has been arrested. He's been sentenced to a beheading. He's going through his own, you know, thing, completely separate from what, you know, his sister is going through. And it's like, you are looking at his story and he's become a fully fleshed person Within the span of just one episode. Yeah. And, and then he dies. And <laughs> he oh. dies. And, like, and also, like, the show barely even mourns him. And, like, I get that that's part of, like, the yeah. constrictive and suffocating structure of, like, the royal family and what they are and are not allowed to express. But it's also, like... There's a pain in not being able to express how much you grieve for this boy. And like his mum doesn't get to, the crown princess doesn't get to. And you just have sort of these tiny moments where you can see them pushing that emotion down. And that's it. So you never even resolve that grief. And can we also talk about how amazing this actress is? Chem Young Bin, who played both roles, obviously. But oh, oh my God. <laughs> Where has she been all this time? She is amazing. She is amazing. And she does both Prince and the Princess yeah. so convincingly. They are clearly two very different people. Like, like she's I actually like thought same. they were different people. I thought they'd hired Prince. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, maybe they're probably <laughs> twins, right? And yeah, they're not. They're just, she's just amazing. Apparently she was in Itaewon class. I don't remember <laughs> It also, in other sagas before this, too, she's been in a, a couple, like, um, 100 Days My Prince. Yeah, and she's, how old is she? She was born in 2008. I can't count. Quick help, tell me. 
Uh, she's 13 years old now. Oh my God. Do you know what I really, really liked about how the show opened? I'm honestly like, I'm a bit sad that the show is not about this period of her life, that young tween kind of period, because it's so, it was so, so good. And the end of episode two, of course, we move in, or midway through episode two, we move into the pug and bin sort of adult era. But mm. what what sucked me into this show is definitely this childhood portion. And like, I would take a whole show of that because I can't even recall if I've ever seen a saga that had this age. Like you can get the childhood portions, but they're not like this tween age where they're sort of acting... Mm. Uh, they're forced to act sort of semi-adult because they're like, you know, they're royal and all of these things. So even as very young royals, they have to deal with the world in a certain way and under certain pressures and stuff. And like the way mm. that they express that with like the Tami character is how she finds out that she really is of royal birth. And in that literal same moment that her grandfather wants her killed and that, and you know... Has- Killed her brother. Yeah, yeah. So all of those things, that scene, oh my God, is the actual... I shouldn't cover my mouth when I'm talking into the mic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like clutching my face. (laughs) Yeah. I can't believe how much they packed into the first episode. The second episode, it slows down a, a jot. But the first episode is remarkable in how many characters were introduced, how many motives were introduced, yeah. how much happens mm. and how much time goes by. And just they have that full siblingish friendship between yeah. these two kids who just meet incidentally. And I mean, it's uh, and it just kills me that they never find out that they're siblings. I wish that they had been able to find that out while he was alive, even for a day. Because yeah. they just, they deserved that. They were robbed. They was robbed. <laughs> so, they were robbed. But, and also, may I just point out, okay, since this is fully spoilery, guys, by now, I hope, like, if you haven't watched <laughs> King's Affection, you've just run away to watch it first. It's not even a spoiler. It's in the premise, but it's, yeah, horrible. <laughs> no, but, like, we are talking about details at oh, this right, point. Okay. It's definitely super spoilery. No, but what I want to talk about is hire better help. Like, get better assassins. The heck? This guy didn't even verify the identity of the child. He knows they are twins. I mean, I mean, I don't. It's just like get, pause a second. I, I don't know. He <laughs> seems like the dumbest assassin on earth. Well, I don't think he's an assassin. So here's the thing. I mean, I, I don't care. He acts as an assassin. Like I mean, even though he's supposed <laughs> to be like the guard, I think captain of the guards or something. He's just. He's basically the right-hand man of the evil minister. And, yeah, I was really uh, shocked to find out evil minister was actually the crown princess's dad. I was like, what? What do you mean? And he's... But they usually are, have you noticed? <laughs> not like direct blood relations. Because, you know, there's a they have like the pitchul, the, the bloodline is so important that mm. like... No matter who it is, bloodline always comes first. Even if you're in the royal family, if you're married into the royal family, your bloodline will always take priority. So that's why I was like, whoa. Like, not only did all of that latter stuff happen, but it was his idea to sort of uh, erase the daughter from existence. And it's Mm. just, (laughs) ah. And also, like, the show opens and you're like, oh, that's Yun Pilmo, who is the crown prince. 
uh, Tommy's dad and Ihui's dad. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, it's like a film. Cool. I didn't know you could look like that. And then he turns out to be a slightly disappointing character who is like this weak, like a nice guy with minimal backbone. And then Besobin turns up and you're like, wow, Saguk Besobin, are you still evil? Because I've only seen him being evil because I haven't watched like um, Shining Inheritance slash Brilliant Legacy. So to me, he's like, whenever he turns up, I'm like, evil has entered the room. (laughs) And he turns out to live up to it and more. And then like the whole thing of like his kid being the, uh, uh, what do you call her, uh, uh, Tami's friend. And like, you know, when Tami has her sort of morning moment when she's run away for the night and everyone's searching for her. And then she like admits to her mom that I can't forgive the man who killed Iwol, her friend who was uh, another baby court maid. And that means I also can't forgive that person. So like the seed of... Yeah. The seed of enmity is like... I don't know if even enmity is the right word because she's kind of broken. It's already like... It's in her heart that she can never have that again. Yeah, because he is... It kind of tarnished her connection with this boy who was sweet to her and they had... It's not even tarnished. It's murdered it. It slashed it with a sword across the chest. Uh, (laughs) Which, by the way, just taking a tangent away from um, Ihui and Dami, the boy who grows up to be Rowan is played by the... Jong Joon and he's played by uh, Goburim. He's a kid I've definitely seen. Yeah, in we've other seen him a lot. Dramas. We've seen him in yeah. lots of things. Popular face, and he does like a cute job. But I do, I do think Che Bin, uh, like Nami, that that kid is talented. Yeah. So like in front of her, this kid was struggling. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you get what I'm saying. But, like, like, but I, could, anyway. I could see how the character was written. And like wh- one of the things I really appreciated was that this kid is not a coward. He could have seen his dad doing what he was doing and like quivered in fear in a corner. Not You know, like it, if it was yeah. a different drama, he could have stayed hidden and watched and that happen. That's, that's exactly what would have happened as a child. He would have just... Yeah, like it would make know, sense. Hidden. That's not like... it. I Nobody would blame him for doing that. That's a perfectly normal response. But the kid jumps in front of his dad with a sword and he keeps chasing him and he keeps trying to stop him. And don't forget that Tami sees that as well. So hopefully that will come back in his favor in the future that this kid did not... He was not okay with this and he could stand up against his dad. Yeah, but also, it, this is actually very consistent with the character of the kid and his relationship with his father because he trusts his father. He actually thinks very highly of his father. Yeah. He doesn't know his father's like a evil assassin, yeah. you know, <laughs> asshole. Yeah, he thinks his dad is better than this. So why is he acting out of character? So in his mind, probably when he sees this happening, he thinks there must Dad's be some making misunderstanding. Mistake. Yeah. I, must, I must go stop him. Yeah. He never for a second thinks that his dad is doing this evil thing yeah. intentionally knowing that he's murdering an innocent. Yeah. And which is why... That because he himself expect, is innocent, the kid. Right, and yeah. I didn't expect this conflict to happen this quickly. I thought the kid wouldn't find out till he was a grown-ass I thought he'd never find man. out. <laughs> Well, you know, like eventually he would have to, he would have to face that side of his father. But I thought Rowan's, you know, grown up version would have Hmm. to do it. I didn't think this baby would have to face that. 
and that is just I, I want to see what what happens after that yeah like in his I, I at some point I want to go back and revisit that yeah what that does to his relationship and his world yeah oh one more thing which <laughs> like the way the show is written is it's really really good so far and one of the things that really struck me is how like quotable the crown princess was everything she says is so on point like her lines are great and then you go and fridger why do yeah, you do that I don't... like one like one day she's like you know i'm by your side i'll support you and then the next day she's like not even the next day the next moment in the next scene she's on her deathbed and it's like there's no uh agibore, there's no like before and after like how did you get here why are you suddenly on your deathbed this is like too contrived don't yeah yeah <laughs> to be fair i think that what they were trying to do is like raise the stakes even more of course when now now dami has nobody she has nobody to like back her up in any position of power she just has her servants and herself which kind of explains how to my mind towards the end of it when we finally see park yun bin's grown up young dami or ifi since like, yeah, she's played yeah, the prince that's true. she has become she has grown up in a very toxic environment where she has to constantly jostle for like a hierarchy amongst you know other men mm. to kind of show her dominance over them so she has she there is like no bit of kindness or you know sweetness in her it's it's stripped off her she's clearly you know a very hard to please prince and even among the servants who are in the know she is she has a temper they know that she and never puts her role down isn't she it she never puts her role yeah. down she's constantly carrying it because she can't every moment of her life has to hold up the charade otherwise everything falls apart yeah. and it's not just her life in the line and that's why, but also her friends and that's why she needed to see the death of Ewol for that to really embed itself into her in in that way because yeah. like the remote death of the actual prince like you can know it but it's not the same as seeing someone cut down in cold blood in front of oh. you the way that she witnessed you know the death of her friend she did and she also <sighs> blames herself for both deaths yeah. she thinks that it it happened because of her and yeah. what i actually really loved which i wasn't expecting was that both the the her mother the crown princess and the the older lady who the court lady who was supporting yeah. them they both really stressed that it was not her fault mm. somehow i was actually expecting everybody to be like yeah it's your fault so now you carry the burden yeah same but i mean Yeah. She didn't have it for too long but she could have had a great support system. Yeah. But at least she knew her mum loved her. I just, yeah. I'm giggling a little bit over my notes here in like <laughs> episode 2 where I'm like ugh Basebin is so horrible I hate him. <laughs> She is. She the, is this is the horrible. this is the level of my notes. That's the tenor of my commentary to myself. <laughs> oh, one more. Th- uh, I'm gonna just keep saying one more thing six times, but this really is one more thing. Can mm. I say how much I love Baby Eunuch? He's so. Eunuch Hong is so. I mean, he's such a little, and he's like he has to hold up the dignity of his position and protect his prince. But he's like he's just frustrated by the shenanigans <laughs> of his charge, and it's and he's such a baby. Yeah, and such you're a like, baby. Why, why are you burdened with all of these responsibilities, you poor soul? Oh, and like you know, again in that sort of night chase where he suddenly finds himself alone and he just sits down and cries, and you're like, baby. 
eunuch don't cry and then the court lady finds him and yeah, comforts him that was because you're like the eunuchs are like the closest people to the the person that they're serving in in this case the uh, little prince and so he's the one person who's closer to Ihui than anyone else was and now he's like got that role with Tami and we should probably stop calling her Tami but like we need to distinguish who we're talking about yeah and it's just oh he's so I want to squish him and give him hugs I know I just want to note here that I I am I did spend some amount of time wondering what is a eunuch in training? Is it like pre-castration, post-castration? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I mean, on the one hand, it actually makes sense for it to be real because the young prince would require a companion yeah. and that... But you I mean, know, in if, other dramas, we've always seen them as older eunuchs. The, the ones taking care of. We have, but that might actually be because uh, nobody wants to own up to the fact that eunuchs were created like pretty early because if mm. you think about european um okay what were they called the 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 castrati castrati yeah. yeah they 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 were castrated like when they were 12 before their voices broke but the point of that was before their voices broke so that they would retain that true but i'm saying that that is it, it did happen and yeah. honestly i was doing a brief a bit of googling and it did not satisfy my curiosity <laughs> yeah. here Where, do you know i know someone we can ask and she she's promised to, uh us an interview on the show so hopefully we'll be able to ask her i won't tell you who that is yet but write this one down to ask her i'm sure she'll find a way of finding out we will do so how about now that we've moved into the adult portion of the story how are you feeling about Bin? as this prickly you know, prince. As I said in our uh, What's Up in Ramaland, the, the upcoming uh, section, I'm solid about Pakin Bin. She is doing exactly what I expected her to do with this character, but e- probably even better. But I'm not sure about Rowan. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, when we first saw, they still are sort of, you know, like the, the see-through undergarment of her handbook yeah. they're still sort of styling they're, they're still trying to remind you that she's a girl because I'm looking at her arms and I'm like you're telling me in all this time she couldn't lift some weights and get some biceps come on man no one's gonna yeah. believe that's a man looking at them skinny arms so <laughs> so okay apart that aside I think she is doing such a good job making me believe she's a man a, 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 a weedy like a little guy compared to Rowan obviously because he's huge um but he's she he they (laughs) she's got enough bite and like her gravelly voice and the way she carries herself dude her eyes yeah it is her eyes isn't it it is it's all in her eyes and I'm like those eyes are I I believe that that's a king yeah a king's eyes that is a king's eyes (laughs) So with Park Yun-bin, I have no, I mean, whatever we were supposed to go for here, she has reached it. I do not understand the wardrobe choices either. <laughs> it seems a bit odd. Like what if a random maid just barges yeah. into her room? Do you really want? <laughs> I mean, so it's odd. But with Rowan, I it felt like it was a different drama entirely. Like both yeah. his entry and then the subsequent um, scene in like the... Like he's too lightweight. I mean, it's okay for him to be lightweight in that he's supposed to be like the softness to her harshness, I think. Mm. But 
it's not just that it's the way he's being depicted where he doesn't feel like there is no substance to him yet yeah. like he's great he's he's great at martial arts he's great at healing people and he's very pretty but like okay yeah what but what, what more is there to you yeah exactly yeah oh you know what i remembered actually about mm. hugenbin in her king get in her princely get up is that yeah. she really reminded me of pakyung you know in uh rookie historian guheryung i think he was the, the older prince so that's who she like i i looked at her and i was like ooh you look like pakyung oh okay 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 now okay now i see what you're talking about she's got it right like take away kind the beard of? and the facial hair i mean like even if you keep the beard kind of yeah i mean in terms of like the way his okay you know what i'm reaching here i'm not sure that this is <laughs> okay i mean it, it does like this is like you know similarities in the eye of the beholder actually it's so, the 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 teacher historian oh, uh, Hoon, you're right Hoon. yeah they both have that quite similar sort of narrow um facial features that yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like um very smooth yeah uh, their faces and they have that elfin quality yeah but it's and he's also a very like svelte uh, yeah, person like yeah, Pak okay, is more cheekbones. This, we're, <laughs> it's cheekbones. I mean, I think everyone dwells on cheekbones a little bit. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay, so moving on from cheekbones, we have like a bunch of characters that are going to be introduced next week. Like we have her cousin, who I think we haven't been introduced to like the adult version yet, Hyuna. Oh. And then we have uh, Kim Gaon's character, which I think was in uh, the end of the second episode or maybe not no probably not basically we have like two men and like one noble lady has been introduced there is another one who has to be introduced so basically we have like a big adult cast mm. that is got to start being part of the story next week mm. and i guess that'll be interesting i don't know i'm so invested in just the Ehi yeah. line of story. I I don't know what I'm going to do with all of these other characters yeah. if they have their own subplots and their own motivations. Do you feel and like stuff. Do you feel like the show is going to change in tone next week? Like, is it going to sort of take a a ninety so degree? So the problem is that I wish we had a little more time uh, with Ehi the the prince mm. because almost immediately after quote unquote he was introduced. Um, she is kind of disrobed so to speak like uh, because her uncle maliciously uh, shoots an arrow towards her so her hair thing gets undone and oh 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 what i wanted to talk about and i kind of forgot before is how quickly the show points out that she looks effeminate and mm. that's one of the things that the men around her um really like hone in on they understand that that's something that she's sensitive about mm. probably so they like really peck at it and so that's a bob that works so she has built up mechanisms like retorts that work against it mm. so, but that's like part of an existing dynamic yeah. i like how that was built in yeah. so it's not like, like it's actually a kind of where, cover like yeah like yeah. It's, it's it's not like other gender bender dramas where nobody seems to notice that this uh boy who looks exactly like a girl behaves like has gestures and voice and everything like a girl is probably on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I, yeah exactly that's really really well 
observe. Yeah. Instead, it, this is made into something that, you know, oh, you look effeminate. So, yeah. you know, you're not manly enough to be prince. Mm. And Evie is like, but I can shoot an arrow yeah. through a snake. And like, <laughs> in, in some ways, it it works even better to cover her real identity. Mm. Because it's such a convenient way to attack her that it's too obvious. Like, like no one would imagine you know, short of seeing her unclothed, there's no way to even conceive of the idea that she isn't the real prince because, like, who else would she be? They've literally seen her grow up every day of her life, or they think, since she was born. There's no room for that That's doubt there. That's absolutely true. But, but yeah. which is why that moment where, you know, her hair comes undone and her uncle is like... She, he looks like a girl yeah and he looks a bit confused and that's where you end the thing and she has to run off to kind of make sure that like she because she has like a bit of a she gets disbalanced so she's not entirely sure if her wrappings are in place oh, like you, her hear chest wrappings are. you hear it tear mm. oh you hear that, you hear it that tear. I, I rewound it like twice to make sure and you could oh. hear the rip and remember in the morning she was like this isn't cotton this is silk yeah yeah so that's why it cotton wouldn't easy. have okay. torn yeah <laughs> uh, that okay so that, now that distinction makes more sense than her just being the grumpy prince who wants what he wants yeah okay so no but the thing is that i i kind of wish that they didn't end the episode with like her partially disrobed and roman coming upon yeah. because did you really have to introduce them like that yeah um, I, yeah, yeah. Th- see this is a thing that i was talking about in uh, what's up in drumland that the kind of direction that i didn't want it to take and i'm going to i'm going to like reserve judgment on that cuz i hope it will mm. maybe it's just a moment and then it will go back to being normal but i just really don't like how we have to lean on these conventions and tropes to make the story attractive because like this story is great without putting those moments in and i think that those moments detract from how great the story is 100% because the first two episodes stood out they were exceptional they were so good because they didn't rely on tropes yeah. like i can't think of a single like a, like glaring trope that they had used as a crutch whereas that ending was a crutch trope yeah and i and i wish it had and you got to trust your story to carry itself like and this don't forget this was one of the this was a winner of the uh, script writing competition i think uh, the sbs ran I'm going oh, okay. by the beginning credits saying this, and I'm sure there's some info about this somewhere. So, like, major props to writer Han Hee Jung and uh, director Song Hyun Wook. They have created, like, really compelling mm. episodes in the first week, and we both really, really look forward to what comes next. Yeah, uh, if we survive. I guess we'll <sighs> see each other. Wait as long. <laughs> see each other on the other side of Tuesday. <laughs> okay, and that's it. So if you want to come and share your grief and sorrow <laughs> with us on Twitter, you can find us at Dramas Overflow. You can find us individually where Borama is at Faster Faster. And Zaya is at Not Now Zaya. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find us on Instagram at Dramas Overflow. And you can look us up on Facebook. Just type Dramas Over Flowers. And you can find our website at dramasoverflowers.net and drop us an email anytime about all of your feels at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. 
And finally, we would love it if you guys would sign up to the newsletter. We had uh, this thing that happened earlier in the year where we kind of lost connection with a lot of our listeners thanks to an Apple update, which did nobody any favors. And uh, we really started valuing having a newsletter where we can directly reach out to you guys and tell you, hey, we are still uploading episodes (laughs) and here is where you find them. Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And that's really it. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.